Let's begin with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord Jesus, thank You for wanting to be our friend, our Savior. Thank You for wanting to stay with us here in the Blessed Sacrament. Thank You for wanting to show us the way to the Father. Thank You for wanting to give us eternal life by giving Yourself. Thank You for dying for us so that we could live forever with You. Bless this night tonight, Lord. Pour out Your Holy Spirit upon us in a new way tonight. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray for a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit to come upon us, to help us experience Jesus as Lord and You, God, as Father, like never before, in a personal way, in a deep way, in a way that will transform our minds and hearts and bodies to become the light that you have called us to be, to become love. Mother Mary, we know that you are here with us. We know that you love us. We know that you pray for us. We want to crown you the queen of our gathering here tonight as we all pray together. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So here we are in Lent, the first full week of Lent, this holy season. Every year, Since 1993, it's an opportunity for me to remember how God worked in my life during Lent in 1993. I think most of you have heard me tell the story. But it was Ash Wednesday, 1993, when I made a little resolution. My Lenten resolution was to just pray a little bit more every day because I wasn't really praying much at all. And then after being faithful to that resolution to pray just a little bit every day, a couple weeks go by and next thing you know, I'm in my dorm room one night thinking about my plans to teach and coach and get married and have a family when all of a sudden I thought, well, if I were a priest, then it would be my duty to teach the truth and help kids all the time. Oh, maybe I should be a priest. And I was like, who said that? Right? Where did that come from? It came from Jesus. Jesus came into my dorm room that night to extend that invitation to me. That's how humble he is. <laughs> not only did Jesus become a man, not only was he born in a barn, But then he continues through the Holy Spirit to meet us where we're at. 
And tonight, Jesus wants to meet you where you are at. I mean, yes, physically you're right here in the pews, right? But spiritually, emotionally, physically, he wants to meet you where you're at. That's just how good he is. He doesn't expect you to be somewhere else right now. He knows where you're at. And all he asks of you tonight is to be open to receiving his word, his grace, his power, his presence, his love. I thought I would read a little bit here from John's Gospel, chapter 17. It gives us great insight into the heart of Jesus. Listen to this. Father, this is verse 24. I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and I myself may be in them. Amen. That's what he wants. That's what Jesus wants for you. He wants to show you the Father tonight and each and every day. And he wants the love that he and the Father share, which is what? The Holy Spirit. He wants that to be in you. So it's funny. I wasn't in the room, but the other night up at Everest Academy, we had this wonderful woman come and give a talk, and then the three of us priests were put to work to hear confessions in other rooms, right? But then I heard later that she asked the women in the group, how many of you think you're going to heaven? And I heard that very few women raised their hand, and I was really upset to hear that, including some of my friends. I said, come on. Like, God wants you to go to heaven more, you know, like, all you have to do is, like, be in agreement with what God wants for you. It's not that he doesn't want you there. It's not that he's making it difficult for you. I mean, he died for you to open up the door to heaven. All you got to do is open up your heart to him because he actually pours heaven into us. I mean, I don't know how else you interpret what we just read a moment ago. Jesus wants the Holy Spirit in us and that he himself could be in us. And wherever the Son and the Spirit are, well, there is the Father. They always go together. So God wants to put heaven into us. So this idea of getting to heaven, I mean, we're right here. You've heard me say this before, but the veil is so thin. 
the veil between heaven and earth is so thin. And we can lift it tonight with faith. How do we lift that veil? With faith. And tonight the Lord wants to lift the veil for you. He wants to give you more faith that he is here. And not only is he up here on the altar, but he's in your heart. He has come into your heart. He has put heaven in you. You don't have to get to heaven. Heaven has already been put inside of you. And so we just pray that we can open up to that reality more tonight. On Sunday, we read in the first reading the account of original sin. Adam and Eve. We know the story. We know the story. And, you know, the details of the story aren't so important. What's important is that we believe that our first parents did, in fact, sin. Maybe you've heard this before, but to sin literally means to miss the mark. To miss the mark. So they missed the mark. Why did they miss the mark? How did they miss the mark? Well, instead of trusting in the Lord and obeying Him and trusting that He wanted what was best for them and that He was going to provide everything that they needed for their good, they decided to trust more in themselves and to grasp for that forbidden fruit. That's a really important word. I don't know how many of you have meditated on that notion of grasping. But just think for a moment in your life, whenever you find yourself grasping for something, it's usually not a good place. You're usually not in a good place when you find yourself grasping. But I think the opposite of grasping at things or for things is clinging to God. Clinging to God. Being desperate for God. Getting in touch with that need, that thirst, that hunger that we all have for God. That infinite goodness and truth and beauty. And so Adam and Eve... With that fall, they disrupted our relationship with God. Their relationship with God was disrupted. It was broken. It was hindered. Their relationship with themselves, their relationship with each other, their relationship with nature. We talked, we've talked about that before. All of these different relationships were broken Because of sin. And we can't fix that by ourselves. But we are so hard-headed sometimes. We're so stubborn. We're so hard-hearted at times. And we try to always fix things for ourselves. And it just doesn't work. There's no such thing as man-made happiness. There's no such thing as man-made peace. 
doesn't exist. It's a gift that we have to ask for. God will give it. He wants to give it. Absolutely. But he wants us to come to him for it. With trust. Hence the signature of the divine mercy image. Jesus, I trust in you. So he doesn't want us to be afraid. He doesn't want us to be anxious. He wants us to turn to him tonight with faith, with trust, with hope. And I'll just offer you a a brief reflection on something that might help you. When When we talk about grasping, you might also think about idolatry, how we turn to something and we grasp for it. So instead of going to God, we go to some other thing, an idol, if you will. You wouldn't normally think of it in those terms, but that's kind of what we're doing when we don't turn to God and we turn to something else. So what do we turn to? Well, you might be familiar with the seven deadly sins. I'm not going to just rattle them all off here, but anger is one of them, for example. So in our anger, we turn to control, for example, as an idol. And we grasp for control. Anybody a control freak? Don't worry, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. Every once in a while, I'll get that. You know, bless me, Father, for I have sinned. I'm a control freak. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a control freak. Well, what drives that? See, this is the thing. That the Lord is inviting us to uproot. Because if all we do is keep confessing the fact that we're control freaks, we're not going to allow the Lord to penetrate our hearts and to heal our hearts and to transform our hearts. We're not going to have that peace and that joy that he wants us to have, that friendship. Unless we allow him to uproot that anger. So that might be something to ask for tonight. Lord, help me to uproot my anger and whatever memory is there that comes to mind that made you angry. Anger is typically a a response to some injustice. So there is righteous anger, that's true. But then when our anger um, really becomes more like hatred and resentment and bitterness, then we tend to want control so as to avoid that or prevent that injustice from happening again. You see how that works? Follow that. So in our anger, in our resentment, in our bitterness, we grasp for control in order to protect ourselves from getting hurt again. But when we put up those walls, we also unintentionally, subconsciously, put up walls between our hearts and God's heart. We can do it with greed. Greed would grasp for what? 
possessions, right? Money and other possessions. And so we look for security in those possessions and not in God. So maybe at, maybe at some point in your life there was a lack of goods, a lack of money, a lack of food, a lack of shelter, whatever it may be. And in a sense, there's a spirit of greed then that can drive that possessiveness and grasping for things instead of trusting in God to provide. Maybe one more example. Envy. Envy is another capital sin. Envy tends to grasp for what? Attention. Uh, fame. Prestige. So I tend to put my value and my worth in that prestige, in that popularity. And if somebody threatens my popularity, my prestige, what comes out? The envy. Instead of turning to the Lord and trusting that he wants to be my friend. As the song went tonight, it feels so good to know that you are my friend. It feels so good to know that you are my friend. Maybe we just need to pray for that grace tonight. Lord, help me to feel that goodness. I don't know that I've ever felt that, or I've, I've felt it, but it's fleeting. And not that our relationship with God is all about a feeling, but he's a good friend. He wants to make you feel good. He wants to make you feel loved and welcomed. He wants to make you feel special. Because as the first song said, freedom comes. Freedom from all that stuff that I just mentioned and all of that sin. Freedom from the sin, from the worry, the envy and the greed, the anger, the resentment, the bitterness. The freedom comes when I can see myself the way that he sees me. Because he sees us with pure love. Pure love, unconditional love. He sees his daughter, he sees his son that he created freely just to love on, just to bless, just to provide for and protect and raise up. That's all he wants for you and for me. So Lord, help us all to rest tonight in your goodness. Help us to be able to experience for ourselves that what you say and what you want is good and true and beautiful. Help us to be able to say tonight, Lord, that it does feel so good to be your friend, to be in your presence. Lord, help us to turn to you tonight. Lord, forgive us if we have turned to these things, these idols. Forgive us for turning to control 
or possessions or fame and prestige or comfort of some kind instead of turning to you, Lord. Help us to repent and help us to believe. Help our unbelief. Restore and perfect, Lord, the image that we have of you so that we can approach you with confidence tonight. So that we can receive all of the love that you want to pour into our hearts. Amen.